Happy Sunday, everyone. We're the Bellingers, and my name is Kyle. I'm Faith. And I'm Maddie. Spider-Man! <laughs> Greetings and welcome to all of you newcomers and regular attendees to Indiana Alliance Church. We are glad that you have chosen to worship God with us and we trust that you will experience God's blessings in your life. Today, we will have a potluck luncheon after the morning service in the Life Center. We will be having a meet and greet with our candidate for the worship and outreach, Mike Group, and his wife, Kate. Come and join us. There are some forthcoming events that we would like you to attend this coming week. We are so excited to start our Bible quizzing practice that will begin this fall. The practice will be held every Wednesday evening from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Any kid in third grade and up is eligible to participate. For more information, please contact Hillary Nelson at hillarye84 at gmail.com. We will have a back to school bash this August 17th from 8.45 to 12 noon. Volunteers are needed to interact with the kids at this event. Please contact the amazing Kelly McCulley for more details. Next Sunday, July 28th, Mark Murphy, international worker in Thailand with CAMA will be preaching during our morning service. program next August 23rd and 24th. Volunteers like you are needed. You can help either day or maybe even both days. Please sign up in the foyer outside the library. More information is to come. If you have any questions, please contact that handsome bearded fella, Pastor Mar. To end, we would like to invite you to join us for our spring adult Sunday school classes. There's a class with Chad Frick on Search For Me video series with the topic, Finding Our Identity in Christ, and a quarterly class with Dave Seville on the study of Isaiah.
Hey, my name is Isabella. Thank you so much for sending me the light. This has been such an amazing opportunity. I feel so blessed. Like 2019 is a blast so far. Thank you for sending me here. When I felt no you it all. Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Thank you for setting us. Thank you! Thousands of kids coming together to worship our King, hearing the powerful message of Jesus and Many dedicated their lives to ministry, dedicated their lives to Christ. Life is a phenomenal time, and you got to see a little bit of what God was up to there with, through the speakers and through our students, and they had fun, and they did wild and crazy things, but they also heard about a wild and crazy God who loves them deeply. Well, this morning, we have a special guest with us, Mike Group. If you all just give him a clap, let's just say Welcome. Mike is our, our candidate for uh, worship and college here at Indiana Alliance Church, and there is going to be a meal afterwards to get to know him. But let me just share a couple of preliminary pieces of information about him so he doesn't have to repeat these things 25, 35 different times. He is uh, from Toledo, Ohio. Most recently was the worship pastor at uh, Fallen Timbers Alliance Church. Uh, he has a background in uh, education. He was a teacher of uh, music teacher for 10 years, 10 years in New Jersey, uh, worked in an inner city type of school, has been married to his wonderful bride, Kate, over here, if you just wave your hand, uh, for uh, four and a half years. Yeah, wow, I'm all right. I, I can remember stuff. That's good. Uh, and uh, he's just a, a wonderful guy. He started a college ministry at Fallen Timbers Alliance Church, so he has a background in, in starting those, those ministries as well as leading teams. Um, and that's, I think, the basic information that you can have. He loves Jesus, loves the Lord, loves the church, loves his wife. Those are all very important things for any man, uh, and uh, especially someone who is called to ministry as well. So with that said, I'm going to pray. And then uh, we will, I'll hand the reins over to the worship team. We'll sing to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this time that we have to just sit and be with you. That we have set aside this time in our day, in our week, to sing praises to your name. 
And we've set aside this time and this day in our week to hear from your word. And God, we just pray that you will speak. We pray that we will be ushered into your presence as we worship you through song and that we will hear directly from you, from your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you and we ask for you to come and inhabit the praises of your people. Amen. Well, it's so wonderful for Kate and I to be here with you this morning. Would you stand with me? And we're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to thank him for his amazing grace. Who shakes the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breath? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all things. This is amazing grace. This is a Amazing grace. 
next song we're going to sing has a line in it that I really love. It says, your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you are Christ. You see, as the Lord knows us, he also wants us to know him. He wants us to draw near to him so much so that he has given us his Holy Spirit to indwell us, to guide us, and to lead us. And he wants us to abide in him. So we're going to celebrate this unity that we have in Christ as we sing this next song, and we're going to lift up his name.
we just praise you and thank you for your wonderful name, Lord, that you, you give us everything we need. You empower us to live the lives that you've called us to through your Holy Spirit at work in us. And Lord, we surrender to you this hour. Lord, we ask, Lord, that as the ushers come forward to take this morning's tithes and offerings, Lord, would you allow us to give with cheerful hearts for your glory? Would you use the gifts and tithes to further your kingdom? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. To enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we're going to give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures foreverness and his faithfulness to all generations. So we're going to sing this morning, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and celebrate that we have this good shepherd who is not that we are faithful, but Lord, that, that he is faithful to us. Let's sing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. thy faithfulness.
great is thy faith in this. you and we thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, we pray that during this time as Pastor Marv comes to give this morning's message, would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you change us? Would you conform us to your image and help us to be dependent upon you, our good shepherd? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Children, you are dismissed at this time and uh, thank you, worship team, for blessing us this morning. Well, we are uh, continuing in the book of John, and we have gotten, after 24 sermons, to John chapter 10. Yes, we're about halfway through. Uh, we're going to speed up the pace a little bit because there's lots of narratives and lots of conversations that Jesus has with his disciples. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at 21 verses, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. So you can open up your, your Bible there if you uh, have it with you. It'll, it'll be on the screen shortly in a little bit after I tell you a little bit of a story. Last week, if you remember, God taught me a lesson with a block of cheese. Well, I'm going to share with you a story of how God taught me a lesson by tying someone else's shoe. Now, that might sound a little bit interesting, so let me share with you this story. At our, uh, our church plant at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, we would have a barbecue every year at the beginning of the year like we're going to this year and we did last year for IUP. Well, one year there was a freshman who walked in. She was really hungry, saw free food, and came and hung out. Well, this young girl named Christy, she decided that this was going to be her church home. After meeting with our people, she was there from her freshman year to her senior year. In her senior year, uh, you know, she, we realized pretty quickly she was a self-sufficient type of person. She didn't want anyone to help her, and she felt kind of burdensome to people if she asked for help. She was so staunch in this, like, not asking for help thing that she received Jesus Christ on her own after a sermon that we had at church on Sunday and didn't tell anyone that she had just received Christ. I didn't find out until the Thanksgiving afterwards that she had accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And I thought, well, that's probably pretty good information that I should have known a long time ago, right? Well, this one time, we, she was on her way to a church event, and she got hit by a car, right? In, in Oakland, every student walks everywhere. And as she was crossing, the light had said she was allowed to walk. She gets hit by a car, and she had to immediately begin to call people to ask for help. She called some of our students who left the event, didn't show up. They took her to the hospital. And, and she was learning a lot of humility in this time. Because when you can't tie your own shoe, you can't put on your own socks, all these different things that she struggled with, she began to have to ask for help. 
She was supremely humbled. And I remember a time where she came into church early. She was helping us set out her bagels because we had bagels every Sunday. Bagels and coffee, it was the big deal. We drew college students in with food. Shameless, I know. But she comes in on Sunday and her shoe was untied. And she said, I really hate to ask you this question, Pastor Mar, but could you please tie my shoe? And I got down and I tied her shoe and I said, that is the very first time in four years you have ever asked for my help. And I told her, I said, you just blessed my life today. And she's like, you tied my shoe. Why? Really? But I, I share that story because it was a powerful moment where I realized that a human's self-sufficiency can block us from asking God for help. We can block ourselves from asking for one another for help, and we can try and have this idea that we can lead our own lives. And we talked about this a little bit as we dig into the book of John, where John consistently opens up through his scripture our need for Jesus. He's constantly reminding us that you and I, we need a Savior, that we can't do it on our own. And here we see Jesus use one of the most beautiful beautiful images of us needing God in the scripture as he talks about the sheep and the shepherd. Because the reality is, as sheep, we need a shepherd to guard and guide us. As sheep, we need a shepherd to guard and guide us. And, and he uses this imagery of sheep and shepherd, not just because it was culturally relevant, but because it's absolutely true. We're going to look and understand as we open up this passage that sheep are dumb animals. That sheep cannot lead themselves. And it's, a, it's an image that you and I need to capture and need to understand. And we're going to look and see what are the characteristics that Jesus brings out of the shepherd. What is it that makes him our shepherd? Why should we follow him? And then he's going to give us characteristics of what it looks like to be a sheep. But first and foremost, we need to recognize as sheep, we need a shepherd to guard and guide us. So as we open up this passage, the question that we're going to be asking, that I believe Jesus answers, is what are the characteristics of the sheep and the shepherd? So if you'd open your scripture with me or read on the screen, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Here's the word of the Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. 
Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Wow. Powerful imagery. Beautiful imagery of a good shepherd and sheep the characteristics that we are to have as sheep and the characteristics that our shepherd has. Remember, the backdrop of this story is the man who was born blind had just been healed. And the Pharisees kicked the man out who was born blind. They pushed him out of the sheepfold, if you will. They said, you need to get out. You can no longer be a part of our community. You're done. Well, Jesus then goes and finds the man he had just healed, the man who had been born blind, who was now seeing... He goes to the man and brings him into fellowship with himself. And he kind of scolds the Pharisees where he talks about them being blind. And they ask him, you call us blind? How can you call us blind? And then he moves into this story. So the story has many different levels. This imagery that Jesus is giving has several different levels. The first is very Judaic. What he's doing to the Israelite leaders is saying, you are blind, you are thieves, you are robbers, you are wolves, and you are destroying the fold of God, which is Israel. So when he talks about the fold of God, he's talking specifically about Israel in the beginning. But then he has this conversation of, I have sheep that are not of this fold, but I will bring them in and we will have one flock and one shepherd. So the relevancy of this scripture is not for just the Judaic imagery, but is for you and for me. And so we're not going to focus on necessarily the Judaic undertones or the Israelite undertones of this particular passage. We're going to see what are the characteristics of the sheep and the shepherd for us today. So we can look at the scripture and say, how can we apply what God is saying to us? And the very first thing I think that we can recognize is this, that the good shepherd is the guard and the savior of the sheep. Jesus gives that very first characteristic. The good shepherd is the guard and the savior of the sheep. One thing that we do need to understand in the Judaic history is that although the shepherds were vulgar and dirty and nasty people in society, God utilized the imagery of a shepherd and sheep throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. We look at this in Ezekiel. Specifically, we see this in Isaiah and definitely in the Psalms as we recognize Psalm 23 very quickly. But there are several other passages that lead us to understand that the Messiah himself will be a shepherd. So Jesus, as he's saying, I am, he is saying, I am the Messiah. I am God. You need to recognize who I am. You're blind, but I'm telling you over and over and over again who I actually am. And one of the things that he gives as a characteristic of himself as the Messiah is that the good shepherd is the guard and the savior of the sheep. He's the guard and the savior of the sheep. He gives us imagery of the shepherd 
being the door. He says, I am the door. I protect the flock. I am the guard to the flock. Robbers and wolves and thieves can't get past this. They cannot touch this. I am guarding and making sure that they are safe. And he says, you guys, you're trying to get in as thieves and robbers. And I see you and I call you out on what you're doing. But I am the guard. I am the protector of the flock. I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the guard. And he's very specific about that. We can see in in Psalm 100, verse 3, which we read earlier, that Jesus, as he's talking about the messianic view of being a shepherd, he sees and goes back to this passage, recognizing to the Israelites, having them recognize an understanding of who he is, that he is the shepherd, that he is the one to guard the flock. But also, if you look at that passage, he says, not only is he the door, but he says, I came to save, to give life. He's also the Savior. He's not just the guard. He is the Savior who saves us and snatches us out of the enemy's grasp. You you have to ask the question as you think about this. Why does the sheepfold need a guard? Because if it's talking about you and me, why do we need a guard? Why is the characteristic of Jesus being the guard and the Savior specifically right now, the guard, why is that important for you and I as believers? Well, the answer is because you and I have an enemy. We have an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy our faith. I think sometimes in our Christian life, we don't mean to do this, but I do it and you do it. We forget that we have an enemy. That when things come against us, when our faith is tested, when all of these different areas of our life seem to crumble or fall apart, we forget the fact that the enemy is trying to utilize that to attack us, to destroy us, and to have us walk away from the sheepfold. He is wanting to take us away, to snatch us, to kill us, destroy us, to to completely annihilate our relationship with our shepherd. I don't know if you know this about sheep, but if a sheep is lost from the flock or lost from the shepherd, they will always get lost. They are that dumb. They don't have really good sniffers like a dog. If they're not following the butt of a sheep that's in front of them or the shepherd who's calling them, they will get lost. The reality is, my friends, is that you and I, if we're not following the shepherd, we will get lost. And so the enemy, he tries to get us lost. So we need a guard because we have an enemy. Just like sheep, there's wolves that want to eat them because they're tasty to the wolf. There are robbers who want to steal them to utilize their fleece or to grow their own flock. There are thieves who want to kill and destroy these things to ruin the shepherd's reputation. But the reality is, is we need to remember that you and I have an enemy. Jesus is the guard as our shepherd, because we have an enemy. Warren Wiersbe says, As the door, Jesus delivers sinners from bondage and leads them into freedom. They have salvation. This word saved means delivered, safe, and sound. So he's not just the guard, but he's also our Savior. Because I don't know if you recognize this, but without Jesus, as a sheep, We are in the clutches of the wolf. 
We are in the clutches of the wolf, and the wolf controls us and moves us around as he wants to. But when we come to know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, he snatches us out of the teeth. He snatches us out of the grip of the enemy, and he brings salvation. He brings life. You see, the Pharisees, as he's talking about the sheepfold, he's like, listen, you guys, all you want is to destroy the Israelites. You think that you're leading them, that you're loving them, that you're guiding them, but you're actually killing them because you don't care about the sheep. You only care about yourself, and the enemy of our soul only cares about himself. So we need to recognize that we have an enemy. That we need to allow the Holy Spirit to guard and protect us. And we have the Holy Spirit because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We have an enemy. He is our Savior. Sheep can't save themselves. And neither can we. Sheep cannot save themselves. And neither can we. If you were to throw a sheep in front of a wolf. And a wolf were to attack it the sheep will 100% of the time die. Die. Unless the wolf has a heart attack and falls over, the sheep is dead. All right? And so we need to look at that and recognize that you and I, we could never take ourselves away from the clutches of the enemy. But just like Christy, we try. We try to do it on our own. We try to work out our own faith. We try to white-knuckle it. We try to get through the traffic of the wolves that are in our lives. And many Christians follow the voice of the wrong person. And they follow the wolf. And they think that, man, I can, I'm fine. I can do it on my own. But have the imagery of a sheep. Because if you have the imagery of a sheep, you'll recognize and remember, I am a dumb animal and I cannot save myself. Now, it's not an offensive thing to say that we're a dumb animal. I think that we can recognize that God, being the king of the universe, who created everything, knows every aspect, knows all the numbers of the hairs on your head, he's way smarter than you. And if you were to compare your intellect to the intellect of God, who created your intellect, by the way, you would recognize I am completely dwarfed by his power and his knowledge. So we can't pretend like we know more than him. We can't pretend like we can save ourselves. Sheep cannot save themselves, and neither can we. It is one of those things that we need to consistently tell ourselves. Because in our humanity, we have this arrogance that thinks that we can do something. But picture a sheep. Sheep will always get destroyed by the wolf. Jesus told this parable, and it seemed like they didn't catch it. Right? If you look at that verse, it says right here at the end of the first time he says it. He said, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus had to say it again in a different way. Right? How many times does Jesus have to do that with you and me? <laughs> right? He's like, hey, here's the story. And you're like, I didn't get it. And he's like, hey, let me tell you again. I didn't get it. Hey, here it is again. Oh, <laughs> makes a little bit more sense. That's why we're sheep, Right? You have to tell a sheep several different things. Sometimes you have to grab it with a hook and pull it the way you need it to go. So we're the same. Jesus shares again with them. And here's another thing that we learn about the shepherd. A characteristic of our shepherd is this. That the good shepherd intimately knows his sheep. The good shepherd intimately knows his sheep. You can see this in verse 3 and in verses 14 through 15. 
we see this imagery again of this word that continues to show up in the book of John. You could probably even say it now in your sleep. The Greek word for know is gnosko. Because it comes up over and over and over and over again in the book of John. Which means an intimate, deep, rich knowing of. And he says, I know my sheep. I know them. And I call them by name. Man, you know, in the kingdom of God, you're not just, hey, you. In the kingdom of God, when, when you pray to God, he's not just like, what's your name again? He knows you by name. He knows who you are. He understands you. He gets you. Now, that's really hard for me to believe because I can barely get myself. Right? I'm like, I, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Right, but he gets us. He knows us by name. One of the most beautiful passages in the scriptures is Revelation 2, where there's this little nugget of, of God knowing man so deeply. When we get to heaven, if we're believers, and we know that Christ died for our sins and rose again from the grave, there's this beautiful little part of Revelation 2 that says when we get to heaven, God will give us a new name that only he and we know. Man, that's awesome. God's got a pet name for me. <laughs> Hopefully it's not something weird. <laughs> it probably will be because I'm weird. But God, for every believer, has a pet name for you. He will whisper into your ear and you'll say, I'm home. I believe that God, when he calls us by name, because John, by the way, wrote the book of Revelation as well. So it would completely make sense that when God calls us by name, he's calling us by that name. That name. That is how deeply, how desperately, how intimately God knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. He's got a pet name for you, and he's going to call you by that name and draw you into relationship with him. Jesus declares that he knows you. Now, I have to confess that one of my really big weaknesses as a pastor is that I don't remember names super well. I confess. Some of you probably already know that. You're like, yeah, pastor, you still don't remember my name. You've been here for a year and a half, and I see you every week. Right? I apologize. It is a weakness of mine that I pray, you can pray for me, to help me get better. But I need to, to work on that. I need to spend time getting to know someone face-to-face -face and have that conversation. And it helps if you're a Facebook friend because then I can just look it up. Right? I, I'm confessing here, okay? <laughs> but the reality is, is that we're not hey you in the kingdom of God. He'll never forget your name. Ever. Never, ever will he forget your name. You know, when you go to a, a store or you're, you're, you're uh, being served at a, at, a, at a restaurant, when you say someone's name, even if they have a name tag, it means something to them. Right? They're like, how'd you know my name? You have a name tag. <laughs> but sometimes I ask, what's your name? Because it means something. God knows his sheep's name. He knows us so intimately and so deeply. But the enemy wants to have us believe that he doesn't really know us that way. We've got to shut out the lies of the enemy. But you see, no relationship is one way. If you have a one-way relationship, you're talking to a wall or you're talking to yourself. 
which still is not one way because there's one you talking to the other you, which is scary. <laughs> right? A relationship is not one way. We also have a job and a duty, and there's characteristics of a sheep that we are learning about from this passage of Scripture. And that's this. The first one that we can see about sheep is that true sheep intimately know the shepherd and his voice. So not only does Jesus know you, not only does he know you by name, but as true sheep, we have the ability to gnosko him. And we talk about this often because John consistently brings this up. But here's one piece of intimacy that this one passage gives us, is that we know his voice. We know his voice. Now, sheep are really dumb. But there's one thing that they're not dumb about. They recognize a specific voice. They were created to be followers of a shepherd. The way God designed them was they need a shepherd. They're dumb, but they can catch a voice. They understand, man, that's the one I follow. That's the one who brings me to safety. That's the one who feeds me. That's the one who cleans me when it's hot and takes off my wool. That's the one I need to go after. So they follow the voice. And it says here, which is very true about sheep. I had to study sheep because I wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about. right? What's really true about sheep is if they hear a stranger's voice call them, they run away. They flee. It's just part of their innate nature. Strange. But it's awesome. And that's why Jesus gives this imagery. We know the voice of God. My, my grandma, Lewis, she has a very uh, specific voice. If you ever talk to my grandma and you listen to her again, you'll know that's Marvin's grandma. But she calls me up and I know immediately, I mean, okay, caller ID helps a little bit sometimes. But really, if I didn't have caller ID and she called me and she said one word, I would know exactly who she is. I'm probably going to regret this. Don't ever call me by this name. This is not my special name with Jesus. It's not my special name with anybody but my grandma, okay? She says, Marvy, old buddy. Every time. That's how she calls me. Marvy, old buddy. And I'm like, I'm really young compared to you. Why am I your old buddy? I said that once and that was not a smart idea. <laughs> Got in trouble. But see, I know her voice when she calls. And when we spend time with someone, when we spend time with people, when we are in a relationship, we can connect with their voice. We know their voice. We have that same distinction ability. We have the discernment to know whose voice is whose voice, but that's not just audibly, that's spiritually. That's spiritually. God is a speaking God. Some people ask me as a believer, how do I know that it's God's voice that's speaking? How do I know when God is speaking to me? Well, here's two things that I find helpful. Time and testing. To discern time and testing. Here's what I mean by that. We spend time with the Lord. We spend time asking Him to speak to us. We spend time in silence. We spend time shutting everything else out, shutting everything else down, and we spend time listening. You see, we see this throughout Scripture that God is still a speaking God. If God is alive and God is not dead, that means He still speaks today. Because if you were alive and you weren't dead and you weren't talking and you had the ability to, people would think that's strange. God speaks 
to us today. And we have the ability to know his voice. So we need to spend time. What does testing mean? Well, we test it. When we hear something and we're saying, man, I really feel like that was the Lord. We don't just run with it right away. We go to people that we know who have discernment in our lives, people that we know who hear the voice of God, people that we know are spending time with Jesus, and we say, hey, you know what? I heard this. I think it's a word from the Lord. And if that person says, I think you've lost your mind, you've probably not heard from Jesus. But if that person says, you know what? That sounds, that sounds like God was really speaking to you. Let's pray into that. Let's go after that. Let's, let's see what God is trying to say about that. And the more you do that, the more you spend time in testing, it's more time you're hearing his voice, and you'll be able to discern who's who pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Time and testing. We see in John 16, 13 through 15, that we have the Holy Spirit to speak to us. John Kossenberger, about this specific portion of Scripture in these verses, he says, Sheep, while helpless and in need of guidance, are able to discern between their shepherd's voice and the call of a stranger. The intimacy of a shepherd and his flock provides a beautiful illustration of trust, familiarity, and bond existing between Jesus and his followers. And John in chapter 16 will say, between the Holy Spirit and the believer as well. As we create that depth of intimacy, as you and I as sheep learn to hear his voice, we will hear his voice, which leads me to the next portion. This is very kind of like no duh, Pastor Mar, but here it is anyways. Sheep who listen for his voice will hear his voice. If you're a sheep and you're not listening, you won't hear his voice. You just won't because you have all this noise around you. God's not going to always come down like he did for Moses with a burning bush and say, hello, I'm God, I'm here, listen. No, many times it's in the whisper. It's in the quiet. It's in that depth of intimacy where he says, my child. And he calls you by your cool name that he, only you and him know. And you have that experience of gnosko, of knowing and being known. But a sheep who does not listen will not hear. If a sheep is in the sheepfold and the shepherd comes and whistles and calls them and they're just going, they're not going to hear anything. How often when we pray do we go, might not sound that bad, but it sounds like you're not listening. So we need to be sheep who listen because we will hear his voice. We reject to listen when we allow the poison of the enemy's lies and deceit to make us sick as well. Did you know, and I found this out in my studying of sheep, that a sheep will only be uncompliant and stubborn when it's sick, when it's ill. That is the only time it will not follow right away. So we need to test ourselves. If we hear the voice and we're not following him, there's probably a sickness within us that we need to first ask the shepherd to cleanse us from, give us the medicine that we need, so then we can be compliant and stop being stubborn sheep. Sheep are only stubborn when they're sick. And the enemy loves to give us sickness. He loves to poison us with lies against the identity of ourself and the identity of God. So we need to do that self-testing. Jesus was challenging the Pharisees with this view of saying, hey, I think you're sick, sheep, because you're not getting it. 
You're not understanding. You're actually annihilating the sheepfold. You're trying to take them away while I'm trying to give them life. You only want to give them death. See, that's the enemy's goal in our life. Because we have an enemy, he wants to lie to us. The intimacy and discernment of his voice is vital to the Christian life. Another story, and I'm going to read it to you because it's so shocking. The flocking and following instinct of sheep is so strong that it caused the death of 400 sheep in 2006 in eastern Turkey. The sheep plunged to their death after one of the sheep tried to cross a 15-meter deep ravine, and the rest of the flock followed. 400 sheep. Like, oh, that guy's gone. I'm going to follow his butt right over a cliff. Many times we end up doing that because we're listening to the wrong voice. The wrong voice will always equal death. Always. Listening to the wrong voice will always equal death. If you and I try to follow our own voice, we're going to find everything is going to be a mess. But true sheep faithfully follow the lead of the shepherd. Once we hear his voice, if we're going to live in the true nature of us being a sheep and him being our good shepherd, we will follow. And sometimes Jesus is going to lead us in places that look like a 15-meter ravine where if we go after it, it looks like we could die. And so we have that test of faith. Do we go with the shepherd or do we stay back? Are we stubborn or are we healthy and we go after him? A true sheep faithfully follows the lead of the shepherd. Let me challenge you as believers that when God calls you to something that is big, that needs faith, man, go after it. Do not stubbornly stand on the side. Do not just say, oh, well, that's not my time. Go after the shepherd. He's leading you because he loves you. He's leading you because he wants to give you life. Go after the shepherd. Be a true sheep who faithfully follows your shepherd. Because trust me, when you do, you will find incredible things happen in your life. Things that maybe you didn't anticipate or expect, but God is going to always, as we said last week, bring blessing with obedience. It might not always be the blessing that you want it to be. It might not be the blessing that you're demanding God to give you. But obedience is followed by Blessing, true sheep faithfully follow the lead of the shepherd. And lack of discernment has led believers to fall prey to false teachers. Listen, that, that's something that we have in our own day. We have false teachers and false shepherds leading sheep away from Jesus because they lack the discernment. My friends, you and I need to be on our knees to have discernment to know which voice to follow. People who pretend to be a shepherd could be and sometimes are wolves. I think many people, many Christians are fooled. And we need to listen to his voice. Jesus mentions his self sacrificial death four times. Here again, he is tapping into Isaiah 53's vision of a suffering Messiah. So as we see, the final characteristic of the good shepherd is this. The good shepherd is the atoning sacrifice for the sheep. The good shepherd is the atoning sacrifice for the sheep. Jesus, in this conversation with the Jews, kind of flips things around. 
It's, it's really weird if you were to think about the sacrificial system that you grew up with. The perfect lamb sheds his blood. We, you, you kill a perfect lamb to shed the blood to atone for sins. And here's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to flip that upside down. The shepherd is going to shed his blood so the sheep can live. To them, it was a mind-blown moment. You could add seven mind-blown emojis to your text message to Jesus. Because that's how big of a deal this was for them. He t- completely turned the sacrificial system around with one statement. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, I am God, I am the Messiah, and I'm going to die for the sheep. Now, if you think about that, that also is nonsensical. Because if you're a shepherd and you're supposed to guard the sheep, why would you allow yourself to die so your sheep are now unprotected? The imagery was kind of bombastic to them, saying, what is he saying? But he was sharing with them that I am going to willingly lay down my life. I am going to allow my blood to be shed so that the sheep can live. And those sheep that are not of the sheepfold, which is you and me, by the way, he's going to bring them in through his sacrifice, through his death, through his blood. But then he says something really cool. He says, I have the authority to lay down my life, and I have the authority to pick it back up again. Again, they're like, what is he talking about? He told them the story of what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again because I am the good shepherd. And my death will cover over the blood. My blood will cover over the sins of the sheep. And I will be able to be their shepherd forever. And they will follow me. They will know my voice. And I will send my spirit to fill them to do what I've called them to do. And that comes later in John 16. But he is the atoning sacrifice. What does that mean? Atonement means that he takes our place. His blood atones, covers over, washes clean, moves away, kicks it out. And he did that for you and for me. Because we're dumb sheep. We cannot save ourselves. We need a shepherd to save us. He lays down his life willingly for us. And the final point is the good shepherd loves his sheep and claims them by his blood. When you look at a sheep who's wandering and you see the the staff of a shepherd who grabs a sheep to, to move him over, to claim him back, to put him back in the flock, that's what Jesus' blood does for us. We are claimed and brought into the fold of God, the family of God. And what drove him? John 3, 16, his love. He loves you. As a shepherd, he cares for you. He wants to guard you. He wants to protect you. He wants to save you. So my question for you as we look at this passage and we're challenged by what Jesus is talking about, the question that I think we need to now reflect on is how are we doing as a sheep? As a sheep, how are you doing? Are you following the voice of the shepherd? Are you being easily tricked by the enemy? Are you sick and stubbornly staying behind? Because if you are, you need the Holy Spirit, and I need the Holy Spirit to move us forward, to follow the Good Shepherd, the Messiah, the one true King, the Savior, the Guard, our Healer, our Protector. He is everything, and we are nothing. How are you doing as a sheep? Because if you're a believer, you can hear His voice. Are you listening to his voice? Are you seeking to be quiet, shut out all the noise, and sit and listen 
to his voice? Are you following the voice of the Holy Spirit or are you allowing your ears to be distracted? Remember, we have an enemy and he's not sitting idle. You and I need to be alert and we need to seek the voice of our shepherd. And then finally, we need to follow him with radical obedience. So how are you doing as a sheep? How am I doing as a sheep? Do you and I think that we can save ourselves? I want you to go watch some, some YouTube videos of sheep <laughs> and realize, wow, <laughs> that's what I look like. To humble us just a little bit so that we can recognize we need him. Let's radically follow him in obedience. Let's pray. Father, oh, you're so good. I love these passages that remind me of how unwise and unsmart I really am. I love these passages that remind me how desperately, how deeply I need a shepherd and a savior and a guard and a protector that I can do nothing on my own. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray as we sing this last song that we will allow you to press into the question in our hearts, Holy Spirit, how am I doing as a sheep? And I pray that we'll respond in faith, that when your spirit touches our heart in an area where we have been wandering away or an area that is sick, that has caused us to be stubborn and distracted, I pray today that we will find healing that we will become sheep who follow the voice of our shepherd. In your name, amen. Well, let's stand together as we sing our final song. We're going to declare and, and promise to build our lives upon the foundation that's found in Christ. So let's sing together.
Amen, Father. You are worthy of all of our praise, and we can build our foundation upon you, the good shepherd, who will lead us to life, who will lead us to sanctification, who will lead us to being saved, who covers us with your blood. Father, we pray that we will be sheep who follow after you and build our life upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before the benediction, I want to remind you of our luncheon directly after service. If you didn't bring food, still come anyways, all right? We would love to see you. We'd love to solicit your, uh, your thoughts. Give it to the elders and to myself. Uh, we, we want to have you as a part of the process as well as the leaders. And so come and join us for food. Uh, we, are, we would just love to have you there. So if you'd open up your hands to receive the benediction from the Lord, I believe it's simply this. Be the sheep you were meant to be. Follow your shepherd, and you will find life. Amen. Amen. chain will break his broken hearts declare he